catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the channel, and we've got a special guest today, the one and only SI's Grant Cohn. Grant, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, man. How you doing, Rohan? I'm good. I'm good, and I appreciate you, obviously, coming along today for what should be a pretty, pretty fun show. I think it's going to be the best show we've done all day, man. I'm so excited for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited, too, and I... You see, the 49ers this offseason seems like they've been praised a good amount. I know you obviously have your, I guess I'll call them level-headed takes, where you kind of see both sides Thank to you. it. So that's kind of what I want to see. I, I want to hear kind of your thoughts because we haven't talked much this offseason. And 49ers, they've made a couple of moves. They've definitely changed up the roster a lot with free agents departing, some incoming guys in. And so I just want to bluntly ask you at first, do you consider the 49ers offseason to be a success? I mean, it's incomplete, right? They have to have this draft. They have a bunch of draft picks. But you can't help but notice that a lot of guys left and not that many guys came in. And so the question is, <clears throat> you know, what are the Niners so confident? Are they confident in their incoming rookie class? Or are they really confident in last year's class? Like, maybe that's the thing. If they really, really do. Because <clears throat> look at all the success they had last year with Banks, Talanoa, Hafunga, Lenore, all those second-year guys who, like, didn't really show much as rookies. Maybe the Niners feel they're going to do that again. Excuse me because <clears throat> really like this is a Super Bowl win now team and they lost a lot of guys a lot of really important players I mean not like not like cornerstone players but Amenahue is a really good player Jimmy Ward Emmanuel Mosley like I'm not going to put McGlinchey in that class but it's not like they got a, an upgrade over McGlinchey so I you could say that they took a step back but at the same time um they got Javon Hargrave that's a big upgrade and where they're at, it's hard to get better in free agency. You already got such an expensive team full of veterans. I mean, I think right. what you could say is they didn't take a big step back like maybe Philly did. Philly lost Hargrave and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Now, they have other D linemen, but like they're definitely not as good as they were last year. So that's a, that's a, that's a, a positive for the Niners. I think so. And I mean, this is a question where I've, I, I haven't struggled with, but I'm, I, I've been a lot more hesitant to go one way or the other because yeah. you bring up a really good point. The 49ers lost more than they brought in, lost more key players, that is. Charles Omenahue yeah. is gone. Sanson Ebucom is gone. Mike McGlinchey is gone. Yeah, Aziz, Aziz. is gone. Jimmy you know, Ward Jimmy is gone. Ward. Emmanuel Mosley. Emmanuel yeah. Mosley. Those are six really valuable Quality players. team yeah. that are gone. Yeah. Yeah. The point, though, is to me, I view that, but I also view the way that the 49ers understood that some of these players, they were not going to have a chance to bring back. McGlinchey right. was as good as gone as soon as um, that market elevated over $10 million. He got nearly double that. Omenahi was the tough one. People thought he could be brought yeah. back. I also did. And the contract he got wasn't too expensive. Two years, $16 million, mm -hmm. a max deal. I, I don't think that, that, that that's that expensive. I wonder if the arrest had something to do with it. That is very true because the 49ers you know, after Reuben Foster have kind of shied away from those, uh, you know, those type of players. And the Chiefs don't. The Chiefs don't. That's the true. Chiefs don't. So Frank Clark. The Chiefs got a bargain and the guy's 25, but he, yeah. you know, I, we don't know what he did. <clears throat> exactly. Exactly. And I mean, it's, it's definitely tough in those situations. Maybe the 49ers wanted to wait till that process comes out. It's obviously not in Omenahue's best right. interest to wait the system out. And right. so there are questions to me though. I balance out the 49ers losing the players and the value that they bring, but also their understanding that they're losing their players. So the way that I look at it, have they done enough to insulate themselves at the positions where they've lost players to where their team can not necessarily be better than last year, but have similar results? Because the NFL is a year-to-year -year league. 
teams understand that they have championship windows. The Eagles knew that last year. They pushed all their chips in, understanding how much worse they were going to get this offseason. I don't know exactly how good they're going to be this year, but I think in, in a way, they're retooling for next year. Why? Because when you lose a lot of players, you get compensatory picks. Jalen Hurts is going to be in the first year of his extension in two years. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, like the extension really kicks in in two years. That is the year or next year is the year where you're going to have a huge draft class. You can like utilize so many draft picks there in Philadelphia to take over some of the holes. And I think that that's the situation they're going forward to me. I think the 49ers have done a solid job. I thought interior defensive line was really important to address this offseason. I thought Dalvin Tomlin took it a bit of hit. But, I mean, you went and got the best player on the market. I like yeah. him over Deron Payne. I do think Deron Payne got a contract that was overpaid for him. I think Hargrove's contract, you could say, could be overpaid. But when you look at it at, in the scope of how the guaranteed money is structured, right, right. I don't think it's too yeah. big of a deal. Like, the average per year is a little high for him. But, like, the way the cap hits work out, it, it, it it's not going to hurt the Niners. In fact, the first couple no. of years, he should be a bargain. Yeah. Let me say it real quick. Is is it a success? I look at it as partially. I, I went into the offseason saying they got to improve in both trenches. Like they got whooped in the trenches in the NFC Championship game on both sides. And so they improved on the D-line big time. Um, still think they need another edge rusher. But that's what they could get one in the draft. <clears throat> the offensive line, they did nothing. They re-signed McKivitz and Brendel. I don't think that's enough. And now it's like, well, they need a right tackle. They're not really in a position to get one who can play right away. So... I feel like this is their offensive line, and I don't consider this offensive line like a Super Bowl offensive line. But, you know, so I mean, yeah. like when people say, is this team a contender? I mean, they have some some pretender qualities, and the offensive line is one of them, in my opinion. It got worse. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say. And when you talk about the <clears throat> offensive line, I want to talk to you about one player. The 49ers, were, they were active in the center market, right? There are a lot of names out there, Garrett Bradbury, Ethan Pochich, Bradley Bozeman, a lot of different names. Struck out in all of them, ended up re-signing Jake Brendel. How do you feel about that entire kind of move? Essentially, they went back to Brendel after all of the players re-signed, all the top four, go back to Brendel. Did you think they should have signed a guy uh, uh, for a little more money? How do you how'd you feel about that move? It'd be nice to get an impact player at center, considering the two teams in the Super Bowl this year had impact players at center. And Brendel's solid. Um, but he's not that. But what the reason they brought him back to me is, what is Kyle value on his offense? Um, vets who know his system. That's right. very important to him. And Brendel has been here for a while. They've groomed him. He knows the scheme. The center has to make a lot of calls. I don't think they just want to start a rookie day one at that position. So I'm not surprised at all that they brought him back. And I, I've, I've talked to Chris uh, Forster about Brendel. Loves Brendel. I mean, he's been coaching him for years going back to Miami. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's fair. I think that was the that was the that's the thing where if you look at it, that's the reason why they bring him back. They understandably wanted an upgrade, which is I, I thought that the upgrade was there. They went after Garrett Bradbury, a guy who's younger, cheap, mm -hmm. uh, not cheaper, but he would have been there at a reasonable price. That's mm -hmm. my preference. If they go after Me a guy too. like Garrett Bradbury, um, I, I thought he would have been the upgrade. But you also understand. I, I wouldn't say it's a bad signing because you understand the value that Brendel brings in the continuity because this isn't his first year with the 49ers. This is he's been here for a while now. He's been as a backup. I think he was a practice squad for one year, the backup to Mac for another year on the active roster, and right. now the starter. He's been here for a while, and he's been more importantly with Chris Forster since his days back in Miami when he was given a starting job. And so he's he's Definitely had some good time with the system, and that's important. And even though he's 30, he hasn't played a lot, so he doesn't have like a ton of tread on his tires, doesn't have a ton of injuries in his past. Yeah, and more more so, offensive linemen, normally you can play a little longer than other positions. They don't necessarily have as much tread, which is a, a benefit to or a testament to the position. And I mean, that's why they gave, well, they gave him a four-year contract. I mean, congratulations, Jake Brendel. Yeah, that's a great story. The guy was on, on practice squads, and all of a sudden now he's got – a four-year contract as a starting center, and he flat-out deserves it. I mean, that, that was a good signing, but still, you're, the offensive line got blown up in the NFC Championship Correct. game, and you're thinking, like, how can it get better? Well, now it's got to be Banks and Burford have to improve. Like, they, those guys have to, and they might, and I, I don't really know what the expectation is for Colton McKivitz. I, I agree, and I mean, when you look at the two, I'll look at two factors. One, Jake Brendel's deal. Four years, $20 million, but really it's a two-year, $8 million deal. SF can get it out of it after two years. So there's me, no guaranteed money after two years? Yeah. yeah. So to me, it, the way that I look at it, 
Brendel could be your guy, but I don't know if I'd hedge my bets that he is your guy for Fair. both of those years. And yeah. McKivitz's deal, I thought it'd be way worse. McKivitz's deal is a really team-friendly deal. After one year, there's nothing. It, it's right. really after one year, it's okay. So to me, that doesn't signify. They're band-aids. He, so they're band-aids. Yeah. And the thing about Pretty the much. offensive line, it to me, it's like the toughest position to transition from college and develop. It's almost like quarterbacks. Correct. It takes so much. Um, it, the schemes are different. What you see from defenses is different, and the uh, the strength required is different. So I think it's probably best not to draft offensive linemen um, and that you have like to start right away. starters. That yeah. you have to. Like, if they're good enough, great. But otherwise, like, you know what? Let's sit this guy a year. Be I mean, that's what Philly does. That's what the Niners did with Banks. I think it's probably smart. Otherwise, I that guy's going to struggle. Or you might want what you could do is what the Niners did with Burford is the rotation. That was actually really smart. I love that. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, I just spoke about Garrett Bradbury. He was not good his first three years. He was yeah. average to below average. But one good year for an offensive lineman gets you a big contract because yeah. guess what? It is tough to develop that position. You talked about Philly. Really hard. Obviously, Jurgens is in the waiting for right. uh, Jason Kelsey. I mean, they've, they've definitely done well with Mylotta as well. You know, they've right. got a good developmental system. Same with the 49ers with Banks. Yeah. And the Niners have this really good offensive line coach. Um, right. Draft, you know, one year ahead of time, you know, in, in terms of need and give him some athletes, please. I mean, he's doing a good job with the Colton McKivitzes of the world. But what could he do with some Jordan Mailatas? That's what I like about Philly is they have a huge offensive line, but they're also really good athletes, too. Like, can't the Niners find some guys like that? Uh, the Shanahan's going back to the 90s have always gone for like these round five, round six, small offensive linemen. It's Colton like, McKivitz. Mm, yeah, man. Like, I think you could do a little better. I agree. Yeah. Let's talk about right tackle right now. 49ers, they have Colton McKivitz there. Don't really have much tackle depth. I mean, if we're being honest, Jalen Moore, if he's at tackle, he's getting cut. He should be a guard. If not, he's going to get cut. Oof. To me, uh, do you, what do you think? Do Alfredo! Right <laughs> oh, man. Alfredo was interesting. I remember I, right I tweeted something about oh. Alfredo last year where, unfortunately, he just got beat. And then some people came into my mentions and stuff because, obviously, a huge fan base. But talking about right tackle. 49ers, are they signing one? Are they going to draft one? What do you think they should do? I mean, if we had Kyle Shanahan on the show right now, I'm sure he'd be like, we did sign one. We signed Colton McKivitz. We like Colton McKivitz. I, I think they really like Colton McKivitz. Again, this is a guy, I think they're going to point to Brendel. Be like, hey, yeah. no one heard of Brendel. Brendel was nobody. He was on the practice squad, got cut. We saw it. So give us the benefit of the doubt here. Um, thing is, we've seen Colton McKivitz play. You know, this guy's not a mystery. We've seen him play. He's okay. I think the other thing they might say is, like, privately is, like, look, come on. You've seen Mike McGlinchey play. Like, is, is Colton McKivitz that much worse? And the answer is no. Uh, also, he's way cheaper. So, yeah. in that sense, he's probably a better option than, you know, he's definitely a better option than McGlinchey. Like, giving McGlinchey $50 million was the worst move of the offseason. That should give – anyway, that's neither here nor there. So, I really think they're serious about Colton McKivitz. Well, the fact – that was scary is that there's no plan B, really. And plan B might be some rookie they take in round four who may not be good or ready to contribute. So a lot of pressure on Colton McKivitz and Jalen Moore, to your point. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think the 49ers need to address right tackle. I think even if they draft one, I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and try and sign one, too. Right now, San Francisco has two tackles on the team. They're the two starters. I don't think they have a single tackle right now that can make a NFL 53-man roster. Also, I, I consider McKibbins a guard. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is no fair. Offense. I mean, He's that a is guard. Totally fair. He, he, He's a he guard. was drafted to play guard. Then again, yeah. like he, he, he transitioned to tackle, but he, he was drafted to play guard. To your point, they have one track. We have one tackle on the team. One tackle, lots of guards, and a center. They might need another tackle. They should probably draft three tackles just to be, you know. Right. I hurt. mean, I would. I, I've been a proponent to trade up in this draft to right draft a right tackle. I think it's important. Yeah. Like I, I think when you look at this team, not many holes necessarily. They have players to fill in at every position. Yeah. So go for the value. The top six, top maybe six or seven in this class. That's the elite of the elite. If you don't get, get one of those top six, it's a developmental guy. So go yeah. after one of the top six. Yeah, I, I I don't know how they get up there. Maybe they got to trade a lot of picks or, or trade future picks or a player, but that is your biggest need. Because, I mean, could they use another edge rusher? Yeah, but I, you could find like a, like a third down pass rush specialist who weighs 235 pounds. Like you could find a guy like that later in the draft. But a legit starting three down right tackle, good luck. 
find. I mean, you can find that. I mean, Jordan Mailata was a day three pick, but that's. I mean, he he had never played football before. He's from Australia. He was a, a rugby player. So those are developmental picks at that point. You get a, a right. Trent Brown in rent, in round seven. And I mean, when you talk about the the right tackle position in general, right? The 49ers, I mean, you, you, you spoke about Forster, you spoke about Banks, even uh, Burford. Uh, like the 49ers have a solid developmental program. They also have a guy who they at least internally believe they can play week one. They've been looking to have him play and uh, and they, they believe they can do it because he's been here for so long. And so to me, I think this is the perfect time. Two positions in this draft I'm really looking for, uh, right tackle and safety. Perfect time to draft the replacements for McKevitts and for Tashawn Gibson. Gibson. I think that yeah. it's important to get the guys that you have stop gaps. Get the guys who can be the guys for the future because understand next year you're paying so many guys a like a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. Because all those restructures, they not necessarily backfire, but they come to really this road stop next year where all of them are at the peak of their contracts. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just how do you get that right tackle? I mean, do you do you do you need to get in the right in the first round to do that? And if, if you have to get in the first round, who are you trading Brandon Ayuk? Are you trading Trey Lance? Like right. or I see I, I really think what they're gonna do is, you know, not draft a tackle at all somehow. Like they're just gonna be like, Oh, you think we need a tackle? No, we have Colton McKivitz and Jalen Moore. I, or could they draft a tackle and move him to guard? Yeah, probably. Or move him to running <laughs> oh, back. That would be funny. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, Sorry. Jason Poe, Jason Poe. Yeah. Maybe out there. Jason Poe, he could, be, he could play guard too. It's another guard. Yeah. It's another guard. Last topic though, on the offensive line, because he talked about guards, John Feliciano. One year, we got the contract details, 2.5 million fully guaranteed or 2.25 million fully guaranteed. Indication to me, he's going to be on the 53 man roster. What'd you think about the signing? And do you think it's a hedge on Spencer Burford? Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Absolutely. I mean, look, Spencer Burford, he played as a rookie. He's, he was young. It was admirable. But he wasn't particularly good. And he wasn't a full-time player. He had to rotate with Brunskill. And, I mean, Brunskill graded out higher than he did on, on PFF, whatever you, you know, take that for what it's worth. So you can't just assume that Spencer Burford's going to take the next step. And the Niners don't like to do that with players. I mean, they didn't assume that Ambry Thomas was going to take the next step. You have to prove it. you got to come back and prove it again. And now he's got competition. He sees it, right? Like, you got to beat out John Feliciano, who has been a starter for four seasons in a row. And I'm sure they'd love Burford to beat him out, but there's no guarantee. They're not handing him the job. And I think the Niners are trying to be careful about not creating a sense of entitlement for any player. you got to beat someone out. I and love so, that. Yeah. I like that too. So, but I think yeah. ideally Feliciano is the backup center, right? The Agreed. backup everything on the offensive line. 
I think this is a hedge not only on Burford, but also potentially on Brendel and more importantly, Nick Zakel. You've got you've yeah. got these inflection points right now. Nick Zakel mm-hmm. is a guy who the 49ers publicly said they want him to play center. Right. They drafted him to, for that position. And right now, you don't know what he is. He's a sixth-round pick who, in all reality, looked weak last year. He was not strong. He couldn't anchor. And so that's something that I look for him to improve because I think he can be a solid center if he can, you know, bulk up a little bit. And so to me, Nick Sakel is a guy who I I, I view as a guy this offseason. Can he do – can he really beat out Jake Brendel or can he at least show some more promise? And Feliciano, you now provide competition in the backups for Nick Sakel. I think that that's important. But Feliciano for Brent uh, for Burford, I mean, you've got a starting caliber guard. You want a guy to be a starting caliber guard or a starting caliber tackle. And so to me, I think it's definitely interesting. I like the competition, though. East Bay Chris says, you know, they're drafting D-line as early as they possibly can. We know this about this regime. It's true. It's so true. We spent all this time talking about how they can improve their offensive line. And the Niners are in the back being like, who cares? Let's take another D-line. They took Drake Jackson last year. But I don't really see him as an edge rusher. I see him as an interior rusher really? to me. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he's 6'2 273. Like, to me, he's always – like, even go back to college, he has success either lining up as a D-tackle or shooting an inside gap or stunting to the inside. Um, ah, I, okay. I can see what you mean in terms of he's one of those flexible guys. The he's only like thing to me is – He's in my opinion. He's got to be stronger. I, I think he's oh, yeah. a little stronger. He's got to be no stronger. Doubt. So if he can bulk, sure. I think you can definitely have that inside-outside versatility yeah. with him. Yeah. But I, they they need a Hassan Reddick type, a guy who's just super duper fast, like yeah. Jeff Ford was. You know. Yeah. And that guy's not on the team. They should get him in the draft. They could get that guy with one of their comp picks. And one thing I do want to say, uh, real quick, uh, shying away from the defensive tackle topic, we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. On yeah. Feliciano, I want to ask you a question. Do you think this move could potentially mean the 49ers try out Spencer Burford at right tackle? I don't. I, I, it, it crossed my mind, but the way I look at it is if Spencer Burford struggled at right guard last year and needed to be in a rotation, the next move isn't, hey, move him up to right tackle. The next move is, hey, he's got to stay in that rotation until he improves and pr- and proves that he doesn't need that anymore. He still needs the training wheels. So John Feliciano is the training wheels, and I don't think they want to – because Daniel Brunskill essentially graduated past that role, right? Right. Uh, Rand Carthaw went to Tennessee and was like, look, dude, you're good. I don't know why the Niners are giving you the shaft over there in San Francisco. Come over here. I'll give you a multi-year deal. Cool. So the Niners, A, they can't have Daniel Brunskill be their safety net anymore, so they got another one. That's the way I look at it. It it, it doesn't necessarily mean that Spencer Burford is going to move to right tackle because I I think – Ever since they drafted him, just like with Zakel, they said he's a center. With Burford, they said he's a guard. Right. Yeah. That is true. That is yeah. true. And it's like he played tackle in college, but he went to UTSA. Like, how many NFL pass rushers did he really face in college? Fair. A fair. couple. You know? Yeah. A couple. To me, I think it's interesting when you talk about the right tackle position because Burford, I projected, could be a solid right tackle in the NFL. He's got the now, frame for it. He's got the length. Exactly. He's got the – yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's he looks like one. projection versus yeah. reality. And right now, Burford is raw. He's still a guy who's got to improve. My, I think his rookie year, a lot of people say it's impressive because he was a rookie that started on a championship caliber team. To yeah. me, I didn't think it was necessarily impressive in the fact, like when I look at overall in his play, but I liked what I saw from him as a rookie. I thought it was a good, it was good, but I still thought it was average level guard play in the NFL. I think Burford's got a chance to grow, and I think that that's where. Um, I'd be interested to see if he moves to right tackle just to try it out, but I wonder what exactly goes on. I mean, he'd be better at the position than Jalen Moore, but That's I do true. feel that Burford was the weakest link on the offensive line last year. I thought he was yeah, worse than McGlinchey. Uh, yeah, I think that that's yeah. fair. I do think that that's Not fair. that he was bad. He was solid. I thought Burford was solid. Yeah, I, I do think yeah. that's fair. And I mean, solid. again, yeah. when we say the weakest link, this is a this was a top 10 unit last year. In terms of uh, advanced metrics, this was a top right. 10 unit. So it's not like right. when you're saying this is the weakest link, this guy can't play football. It's just when you're building championship caliber teams, you want the best trench play as possible. And so yeah. when you talk about the offensive line, you want it to be as high to, uh, as high to the top as it can be, really. Because, because I mean, this team, again, it's not about, like, can they win 13 games? Yeah, we know they can win 13 games. It's like, can yeah. they win the Super Bowl? Like, you have to look at those specific matchups with the best teams in the league, and you know those teams have... Chris Jones, like some very dominant uh, defensive lineman, and all it takes is one weakness, one uh, weak link, and all of a sudden you get the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl where who was the right t- – t- was it 
who was the right guard on that freaking team? It was Ben Garland and You're Mike checking, Person. Oh, in 2019? Just, Mike, and, yeah. and Mike Person just getting yeah. blown up by Chris Jones every play. Like, well, at least, you know. But it graded out well in the in the regular season. Like, yeah, but you saw this coming. You knew it wasn't good enough. Right. And funny but enough. But the thing about Feliciano, hey, if Burford doesn't take that step and he's just not particularly great, Feliciano is a nice run blocker. Like The Niners yeah. couldn't run right to save their lives last year. So mm -hmm. maybe Feliciano actually starts at right guard and he's an improvement. I wouldn't rule that out. One thing I will say on the right, uh, on, on this right side of the offensive line, three years, right? 2019, 2021, 2022. In the playoffs, that has been the one area where they've struggled and it's cost it's costed them in, right in a way. Yeah. Exactly. And so you can't have half an offensive line. I feel like like real contenders will feast on that in close games down the stretch. Or you're not yeah. even I mean, the Eagles uh, feasted on it all all game. So I think I, I don't understand why the Niners don't finish this. They they've had half an offensive line for like the whole time Kyle's been here. When Harbaugh was here, they had a full offensive line. Right. It was it was a priority with a lot of the same scouts that are here right now. Yeah, I I mean, that's fair. Very fair. Very fair. But again, go back, go back and look at Mike Shanahan's offensive lines in Denver. It was the same kind of deal, like a lot of sixth and fifth round picks and that was part of his it's like, well, I'm just running outside zone. I don't need the best offensive lineman. Game well, changed. Yeah, it, it has. It has. And I mean, it, it's certainly important to find scheme fits. I, I do think that this scheme is very valuable, but also you need to find the talent to come with the scheme fit, obviously. Right. And so that's there. But moving back to the defensive line talk that we were just about, Javon Kinlaw. A uh, report yesterday came out, 49ers do not have a plan to trade Javon hmm. Kinlaw. What did hmm. you take away from the report uh, and on Javon Kinlaw's status? Mm, my takeaway is that there are no significant offers for Javon Kimo. Exactly. Yeah. That's the way I see it. Um, but I'm not surprised. And it's again, like why would any team trade for Javon Kinlaw right now until they saw him on the field looking good? The last look they got at Javon Kinlaw was in the NFC championship game. We saw those clips. It wasn't looking, it wasn't good. And that was two months ago. So, so people would need to see something, a, a preseason game, a joint practice, some a, a practice report. They're going to need to see you, Rohan, at practice and then going live afterward and being like, you know, Javon looks great. Until that happens, I don't think he has trade value. I mean, how could you? What GM would? So I'm just going to trade for Javon Kinlaw blind. So no, Grant, I'm not going to do that. You're going to get a call, huh, from uh, from John tomorrow? Yo, uh, can you say Javon, Javon be looking great. good in these offseason workouts? He's looking great. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think they can trade him now. Maybe in preseason they could trade him then. But what are you going to get for him? I feel like you you have – it's better off just keeping him. It's a first-round pick. Right. If you ever get him healthy, now you have him as, as depth, or you could trade him for, like, a seventh-round pick swap. Like, come on. Like, what's the, what's the point? And, I, I mean, right now, you're right. He has absolutely no trade value. And the other thing you take in mind – it's not like the 49ers are saving too much money. Like the 49ers save 2 million or 2.2 million, I believe, if they trade him. It's not yeah. like they're saving the entirety of his salary. 2.2. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it might be valuable, but first of all, there's no But they could always like, restructure a contract and, and create 10 million dollars. Like they, Exactly. You know what I'm saying? It just seems like you don't really gain much from trading. You don't get much of a pick. You don't get much cap space. And all I don't you think do another team is, wants to pay 2.7 million a year. So. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so. What they have to decide, though, is is he one of their 53 best players? Like, I don't think you can trade him. That is the I don't think there's question. market for him. But, like, he's the sixth defensive lineman on the team right now. Like, you got mm – -hmm. let's just count him. Hargrave, Armstead, uh, T.Y. McGill, Kalia Davis, and Kevin Givens. That's five. So he's, he's got to prove that he's better than one of those five guys. That's what he's got to yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. And the 49ers normally, if let's say they roll with 10 – They'll go with five and five, right? They'll they'll yeah. normally go five edge, and the edge rusher group is where they they kind of need to uh, improve in that they don't have too many numbers right now. It's Jackson, it's um, obviously Bosa. Bosa, Cleveland Farrell, Farrell and then and I Bryant. guess Austin Bryant right now. So. Yeah, and they'll draft one more, and they'll draft one more. Yeah. That'll be five. So that's your ten right there, and and Kinlaw's eleven, and so now that that's what he needs to prove. He needs to prove that he's a NFL player this year. Yeah, because and he, you know. He's been hurt two years in a row. He's been hurt two years and in a row. Yeah. I think the 49ers are kind of approaching it right. You understand he has no trade value. 
There's no reason to cut him now because you're not going to save any money. Go no. into training camp. Let him compete. If he can prove something and uh, and kind of shock everybody right now with the talent that he's showcased on film, then you keep him. But if not, then at that point, I mean, you're going to cut him regardless. Got to cut him. But, which, but yeah. look at it this way. The last three years, there's been a ton of pressure on him. He hasn't been 100% healthy, 100%. and they're like, dude, you're a starter. You're DeForest Buckner. We need you to play. And he's been gutting it out. Now it's like, hey, man, we don't need you at all. You're pretty much, we're ready to cut you. So whatever you can prove, it's a whole different situation for him now. Like, he's been counted out. There's no pressure. Uh, if he's, he can play whenever he's healthy. And if he's, I mean, it, it just might be what he needs. It'll be interesting. And unfortunately, he's one of the players who really hasn't gone through a real NFL offseason. First That's year, the whole COVID thing. Year. Yeah. Second yeah. year, ACL. Third right. year, last year, he was, I, he was out until training camp. And he was That's like, right. he had training wheels on in training camp. This year might be his first real year of full action from April itself or from May itself. If he could actually do that and if he could get into the one-on-one -on -one drills and compete uh, yeah. and just have a full off season, I think he could be a good player. He just Agreed. hasn't done it yet. He hasn't been able to do it yet. And again, the Niners don't have to push him this year. They can go as slow as he needs to go. There's no pressure on him to, to, to start and just take it easy. Yeah. No setbacks. No. No setbacks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Javon Kinlaw, obviously, he's a guy, defensive tackle, 49ers, they, they liked him, first-round pick. I do want to ask you, though, because guys like Javon Kinlaw, there are some better players in 2024. 49ers have some decisions to make. Mm. Javon Kinlaw might be one in 2023, but moving forward just a little bit right now, San Francisco is right now at $19 million in cap space. They also have to extend Nick Bosa this offseason. Uh, we'll see what happens with Christian McCaffrey's contract, but they've got some moves to make while seven of their players are making like, or six or seven of their players, all of their big contracts are really, really up there in cap space. Do you think San Francisco is going to be faced with the tough decision or do you envision they try and do the restructure gambit one more time, push all that money back and go all in next year as well? I think they're going to be faced with some tough decisions. And I think the first guy I'm looking at is Eric Armstead. They just signed Javon Hargrave. They're going to extend Nick Bosa. That's a lot of money tied up in two defensive linemen. And remember, they didn't want to sign DeForest Buckner. I don't think they wanted to have all that money tied up in like just a few D linemen. So right. it looks kind of like Armstead might be the odd man out unless he has a huge bounce, bounce back year. He really hasn't been able to live up to the season he had in 2019. And if they cut him next year or whatever, trade him, they save up, you know, $11.5 million. Right. So they could, that, that's one right there. That's one. Yeah. He needs to show that he's still an impact player. Otherwise, his cap number next year is $25.6 million. I think even if he shows he's an impact player, the 49ers entertain the move because when you talk about it, Armstead, if he's an, if he shows he's an impact player, he has trade value. There you, you go. can like you need to save money next year. That's that's yeah. the key because Trent Williams makes 28 next year. Armstead makes 25.8. Kittle is nearly 20 million. I mean, Fred Warner is nearly 25 million. Both uh sorry, not Bosa. Debo Samuel's nearly 28.5 million. And then Hargrave himself makes 15. And Traverius Ward after the restructure makes nearly 18. Those are players near 20 million, and they're all a big core, a big part of your core. You've got several decisions to make. And I mean, some of those players are locked in, right? Some of those players you you definitely uh you definitely keep. Maybe Trent Williams uh retires and maybe that changes something, or maybe the 49ers uh look to move Debo Samuel or something, but Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. There are definitely, I think, going to be at least one, maybe even two major players on this team that might end up being moved on because Brandon Ayuk as well has an extension due uh, coming up probably next offseason. But talking about the 49ers and 2024 overall, I mean, Ark Armstead, like Grant just said, $25.8 million uh, a year. And that's something that you do look at because they're the two contracts that I'm really looking at are Ark Armstead and Debo Samuel. Samuel, obviously, uh, 28.5 million next year. 
it would be hard to move him before June 1st. It would be likely as a post-June 1st trade because that would save $21 million where you, you only take in 6.65 in dead cap. So it would be tough for Debo Samuel. I don't know if the 49ers move off of him in 2024. Might be a little more likely in 2025 because when you talk about Debo Samuel, Brandon I extension next year, his first year cap, it shouldn't be too high. I don't think it eclipses $10 million, but overall his second year, uh, his second years uh, of that deal, that's where the, the cap hit really skyrockets. And so to me, I think when you talk about Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk, it's going to be unfeasible to have two contracts upwards of 20 million a year in that second year of the deal. So I think Debo Samuel is the guy who they move on from, not in 2024, likely or in 2025. But Armstead, I think he's the clearest guy to potentially move on from in 2024 because he's the guy who you save the most money from out of the core group of guys who is a likely player to be moved on from. I don't think Traverius Ward gets moved on from after uh, the restructure this year. Kittle still makes a good amount of money. You save about $9 million. You save about half of his contract if you move on from him. And, I mean, Fred Warner, you won't save any money after the restructure. So there are a lot of different players. I think Hargrave's here next year. I think Warner's here next year. I think uh, Traverius Ward's here next year. But because these guys are here, I think that that requires, you know, the 49ers to get back into um, – you know, get back into making some of these tough decisions. And so that's the tough one. Grant, he'll be back very soon. But coming back to your guys' questions uh, in the chat, first of all, I do want to say thank you guys so much for uh, joining the chat. Thank you guys um, for all tuning in with all your questions and comments. Wayne here says, Danny Gray needs to stop dancing and get on the field. I do want to talk about Danny Gray actually a little bit because Danny Gray is an interesting topic. Um, he's the guy who's right now the fifth receiver on the team. The 49ers are rolling with the same receivers they had this year uh, or last year. This year, you've got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. Then you've got obviously Jawan Jennings. You've got Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray. Now it's going to be hard for a rookie to kind of crack this system with Kyle Shanahan and the, the way that he's going offensively. Why? Not only is the playbook difficult, we heard that from Debo Samuel on Media Row in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl week, but it's also just the amount of players on top of you. But why is Danny Gray intriguing? The the deep speed. Really, obviously, that provides well with a quarterback who's got the arm to throw it in Trey Lance. Trey Lance right now projected to be a week one starter. So that connection with him and Gray, that could be that could be definitely lethal. But people have to understand what's what's up with Danny Gray. The route running is really the main issue. It's not necessarily the playbook and things like that. It's the route running, because when you watch his college film, sometimes he sacrifices a part of that speed to run routes properly because he isn't the most crisp route runner. If he can learn that, though, from the 49ers core receivers and from the coaching staff, I think that that's something that Danny Gray could definitely, you know, uh, definitely value from. Right now, I think he still slots in as that fifth receiver, but potentially with a more lethal uh, aerial attack with Trey Lance at the helm next year, you might see more three receiver sets and on deeper uh, on obviously plays that require more downfield threats. You might see Danny Gray come in, but I don't know necessarily if his role is going to exponentially increase in year two. Depends on really how his development goes with his route running. It might in year three, because I don't know if the 49ers will be able to retain Jawan Jennings at the cost. He, uh, Gray that is, was really like a hedge for Jawan Jennings when Jennings likely moves forward in free agency next year uh, as a wide receiver three elsewhere to make some more money. He was really uh, for that position, but Gray's got to improve on the blocking, got to improve on the route running. And once he gets those two factors kind of down, I think that that's when you see his role increase. McLeod, obviously the gadget weapon, you can see him out of the backfield. Sometimes you could see him as a short, uh, short area yard uh, receiver with the explosiveness, the, the, the real, short quickness that he kind of has. I think that's his role. Um, and he's really a good hedge for if Samuel gets injured because we saw him kind of flourishing a, a bit of that role when he was in that role last year. Some drop issues, of course, but mainly right now, McLeod seems like the special teams guy. Gray seems like a guy who still has to crack the rotation a little more. Likely happens not this year, but more so next year. Moving forward with some of you guys' questions. This one's funny. Uh, you both look like a couple of dudes who would sit down and eat at a mod pizza. Me and Grant, that is, I've never done that. Don't know why that comments there, but, um, Ted talks ball. He talks about McKibbitt's contract certainly doesn't scream starting offensive tackle. I agree. And I'm going to say two things. One, I don't think this, his contract rules him out of being the offensive tackle. One, the 49ers like me and Grant said, 
are pretty high on Colton McKivitz as a starting tackle in the NFL. I think that they've kind of groomed him for the position over the last few years. Remember, he was drafted in 2020 as that fifth round pick. As we return, Grant, how you doing, man? Sorry, dude. I've never had that happen. My internet completely died. I had to unplug it and re turn it back in, turn it back on. Sorry. Nah, you good. What are we talking about? Let's do it we're again. Talking. Okay. So when when we left off, we were talking about Armstead. I, I mentioned a okay. couple of other right. names. So I got one. Use go check. For go for it. They use check. They say five million dollars if they uh, release use check next year. He's thirty three years old. They give him the ball like once a game. He's a good player. They don't use him. I, I agree. And I mean, I think that this year, I know we talked about positions in the draft earlier. This year might be the year where they go after another fullback. I know there's a, a guy by Jason the name Poe. of Hunter. Yeah, Poe. Hunter Luepke in the draft. Poe might be an interesting name. I mean, I, th I think they, they try and experiment a little bit or, you know, figure out different ways. Ross Dwelly. Ross Dwelly in the, in the fullback Dwelly. role. No, I love how they keep bringing back Ross Dwelly, but they never use him. Him and Juszczyk. They gave him 700000 guaranteed, too. That was funny. Good for good for Ross. Good for I mean, Ross. Yeah. One like, day he'll be able to tell his kids he was in the league for ten years and be like, "So let me see your highlights." He's gonna be like, <clears throat> "What do you mean? I'm talking about highlights." What? Hey, hey, he needs the practice. Uh, uh, the practice highlights where he, you know, behind closed doors when the media's one -on not there. I think that one -on that's where Kyle really unleashes Ross Dwelly. You've seen him in the one on ones. Yeah, I mean he wins. He, he catches the damn he ball. He wins. Yeah. It's, it's just, ridiculous because he run he runs like the slowest. He's like he's like an offensive lineman running up the field, and all of a sudden he does this little and wins. I don't understand. I don't know. Ross Dwelly's funny, man. I love that guy. Yeah. But no, we, yeah. I, I think you bring up Kyle Ustrak. I think he's a very good option, right? This year you won't you won't move him. He's uh, but next year, right? That's where that that cap hit. You you save uh, about five million, like Grant said. You lose about two and a half. But I mean, for a thirty three year old yeah. at a position where you do you really want to pay a fullback? 7.6 million dollars i don't think that that makes sense no um trading debo doesn't work either you don't really save much you save about seven million dollars if you trade him right. next year and you get 21 million in dead cap so i've seen some people be like hey you know if you got to choose between debo and i they already chose i agree but the one thing i did say when you were gone about debo samuel I think he's a likely move in 2025. Maybe maybe an extension, but okay. I think he's a move in 2025. I just don't think it's feasible with this team to to roster two 20 million a year wide receivers. I like Brandon Ayuk more. I think he's the better option. And in 2025, the reason I say it, Ayuk's extension hits next year. The first year of those extensions are low, mainly right. under 10 million dollars. So you can True. have Debo at 28 True. million, Ayuk at nine million. And average it out because those two are worth thirty-seven million combined. But the next year, when I think that's Samuel's last year, that's where it is. Go Do you really it. want to spend that much money on two wide receivers? Oh, I mean, that's a lot on wide receivers. Like, the, I mean, I know you can do it if you don't have an expensive quarterback. But man, I'd rather spend it on offensive linemen. I understand. I'm just yeah, saying. No, I know. it's it's way easier to find wide receivers. It's so easy to find wide receivers. I think it's I think it's good to spend on one wide receiver. I don't think it's good to spend on two. Agree. So, so the Agreed. way that I like it structured is you don't the first year of Ayuk's due, you're not really spending too much. So you'll you you won't spend too much with Samuel and Ayuk combined. I think you could spend like especially with the rest of the room being cheaper on one million plus deals, five wide receivers worth 38, 40 million dollars. I don't think that that's too bad. The second year, though, hmm. I don't expect Debo Samuel to be on this team in 2025. I think that he gets moved when the when both of those uh, contracts are going to be pretty expensive. I think he gets moved then because then uh, when you move move off of him in his final year, the cap hit isn't too hard for him to be moved. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Right. Um, anyone else that they could get rid of next year, save a little money? I mean, the the one that I was thinking about um, uh, that you may... Trent Williams yeah. retiring. Trent Williams could retire. I mean, that saves you like 12, 13 million. Uh, it, it leaves you with a good dead cap, but it saves you 12, 13 million. And I mean, I think that they, they might be hedging their bets for it, if we're being honest, because if Trent Williams retires next yeah. year, let's say the Niners won the Super Bowl, Trent Williams retires, you get a good amount of money there. Yeah. You, you might go after a tackle in free agency. You absolutely need to. I mean, it's funny how we kind of pinpointed that the Niners have one tackle on their team right now. They they need a lot of tackles. They don't even know what they're going to get. Like, what happens when Trent Williams misses three games this year? What do they do? Who's the left tackle now with Colton McKivitz on the right tackle? Who's on the right side? That is, is it Jalen Moore? Right. That's a that's a good – I mean, I hope not, but, like, we'll see. That's, that's a good – The third tackle matters on this team. Trent Williams doesn't play 17 games a year. No. 
generally. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we don't know what Colton McKibbitt is going to do. We've never seen him play in a 17-game season either. Good point. He started five games. Right, right. And I mean... And what a five games they were. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) He probably hates me. He's probably watching right now being like, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Hey, I mean... Rohan's cool, though. That's what he said. He can't be worse than Mike, though. It it can't be worse than what uh, what you said about Mike. It's hard to be worse. It's hard to be worse. Yeah, it's true. Real quick question from the chat about Yannick Ngakwe. Okay. Do you think the 49ers should spend some more money on the edge position? Yannick Ngakwe, let's say, at the moment, in my opinion, I think he gets a one-year deal. I think he incorrectly uh, uh, gauged the market. I don't think he gets more than a one-year deal because it'll be too team-friendly then. Would you sign him on a one-year deal with the – like, they can create cap space. So would you do it if the the option was there? Absolutely. He's really good. I mean, it's either that or gamble on a day two, three – edge rusher in the draft rookie guy so yeah Yannick would be great I just get the feeling that the Niners are going dirt cheap uh in in free agency now because they don't want to sacrifice any comp picks from here on out so that is that is they might wait around yeah they might wait around that if Yannick is like signs for the minimum but I don't think he will no I don't think he will uh to me I think it's definitely interesting because Yannick and um I mean like you said good player Comp pick though, that's the most interesting part to me. I think they yeah. might if they if they wait a little bit, go after a guy like Leonard Floyd, maybe. Uh, because he got released. Yeah. He won't you, you don't perfect. you don't get a comp pick out of him. Um, uh, you don't lose a comp pick out of him. And so he got released. Th- those type of players, I mean, I think 49ers might be a little more into that market because there are a couple of players that fit that market right now. That's exactly what they're gonna do. And explain that to the people because I don't even know. If I don't even know how that works, it's, it's the difference between becoming a free agent and getting cut. Yeah. So if you become yeah. a free agent, like if your contract expires at the end of uh, uh, before the new league year, like that, then you're uh, you you're eligible like to McGlinchey. be a part of the. Yeah. Exactly. So McGlinchey will net yeah. the 49ers a third round pick this year. Jimmy Garoppolo, his contract to Javon Hargraves, mm-hmm. both of those cancel out. So those are out. Right. But if you get released, your contract wasn't over, you get released, you aren't a part of the comp, uh, compensatory formula. So the 49ers can right. go out and sign every player that was released and not lose a single comp pick. That's how it works. That's Then that's then that's where they're looking. Then it won't be Yannick. It'll be Leonard Floyd if it's anyone. Yeah. And I know I've heard that they've been on, in on Yannick Ngakwe uh, earlier in free agency. Hmm. The only thing is they've now kind of – in, in my opinion, they've pivoted a little bit. They they went outside and Cleveland Farrell after the after the Ngakwe kind of news was there. They went out and signed Cleveland Farrell. They now signed Austin Bryant. It seems like they're pivoting a little more to the more uh, the rotational pieces, the more depth route. Because if you sign Yannick Ngakwe, you're putting your chips into Ngakwe, understanding that he's going to cost a good amount of money. He's going to cost you probably ten million dollars. Also, they did spend a second-round pick on Drake Jackson last Correct. year. They can't give up on him right away like they gave up on Trey Lance. Just kidding. Uh, no, like, they I got to give him a chance. They can't just – I think if you sign Yannick Ngakwe, then it's like, well, what is Drake Jackson doing here? No, What's that's, that's true. That's definitely yeah. true. Yeah. Um, real quick, another question. Do the 49ers need to free up cap space to sign their anticipated rookies in the draft? I mean, if we're being honest, not really. The, uh, I think the no. it's eleven million dollars, if I if I remember correctly, for their caps, uh, for for what the draft class is costing. But you guys also have to understand, at least with the top fifty one formula, every like the minimum contract is one million dollars, and the 49ers will have those minimum contracts. So overall, the amount of cap space they really need is about two to three million dollars for for the the to sign the class at least, and they're going to have yeah. that. Additionally, you're going to extend Nick Bosa. At some point this offseason, you're also going to re, uh, restructure in a way Christian McCaffrey's deal, or they have the ability to because he has no guaranteed mm-hmm. money on that deal. So you can lower the, you know, you could do the regular restructure or figure out a new contract terms in general. So those two moves are still at their disposal. And the other thing, you don't have to worry about the timeline because these rookies can be, they can go unsigned up until uh, training camp. They have to be signed by training camp to play, but they can go unsigned up until training camp and you can still be fine. So I, I don't worry too much about the rookie class. True. Yeah. Don't. And it's, there's no first round pick. There's going to be no controversy. These are all guys are making like the minimum. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. One thing I want to do, uh, ask you before we head on out, mm-hmm. said it at the beginning of the show, 49ers, are they the favorites in the NFC? Let's start a little smaller. Are they the favorites in the NFC West? Cause I saw a tweet the other day. Uh, about someone saying bet on the Seahawks, uh, and I saw that too. That shit, uh, that went viral. I saw that too. So, want to ask, do you think they're the favorites in the NFC West? And then we'll transition to the bigger scale. 
I do think they're the favorites in the NFC West. But again, it's tough to just dismiss Seattle. Correct. Because Seattle has a good offense, a good offense, a good offensive line. What held them back last year was their defense was awful. But it improved as the season went on, and I have a feeling it's going to be better this year. They have a bunch of high picks. Pete Carroll's a good defensive coach. I mean, it's not going to be a great defense, but if it's if it's mediocre, that team's going to be a lot better. Only thing is, like, head-to-head, I, I don't think the Niners fear Seattle. Like, Geno's not yeah. the kind of quarterback that really that really gives them problems. But So I still think the Niners are the team to beat in this, no matter who their quarterback is. I agree. I do want to give props to Seattle because they did some things this offseason. They signed Julian Love, who I thought the 49ers could really benefit from, a nice nickel uh, safety hybrid type of player. They signed Draymond Jones uh, uh, at defensive end. That was their big signing. And so I think mm-hmm. that they, they've made a couple of improvements at certain positions, but Seattle still to me is a developmental team in a way. They still are uh, uh, basing a good amount on rookies or second-year players, and I don't think that that team right now is just a good fit against the Niners. I don't think their offensive line is a good fit against our defensive line. And overall, I mean, we saw what happened last year. You're right. I don't think the Niners fear Seattle one bit. I think Kyle Shanahan understands what he has, especially after, um, you know, after all the years Russell Wilson dominated the 49ers last year was a little bit of a change. And I think that while Seattle has improved, I don't think that they're – I don't think that they can eclipse the Niners right now. I, I don't. I think it's it's getting closer though, uh, and, and I can, the I can more uncertainty that. the Niners have at the quarterback position, you know, if they have to play a game with Sam Darnold against the Seahawks, who knows? If the if the if Seattle drafts yeah. a guy like Anthony Richardson, if they trade up and yeah. draft him, that's when you start to think about it. Because if you let him develop for one to two years in the uh, while while Geno goes through this pretty much a two year deal, pretty much I think um, you let him develop. You start him. That's when San Francisco should probably get uh, start getting. And those are the kind of quarterbacks that give the Niners trouble because I feel like with their wide nine defense, it's all about like don't read anything, just get upfield. Like and and that's great, but um, the weakness is containing quarterbacks who want to get outside the pocket. Yeah, and that's not really Gino. Gino wants Gino wants to prove that he's a pocket quarterback. It's like yeah, go ahead and do that against Nick Bosa. Good luck. Right. But anyone who wants to get outside the pocket, the Niners just kind of give him, you know. A red carpet. Go for it. I mean, we saw it last you know year. Marcus Mariota. I mean, Jared Stidham. Like that. I mean, yeah. Jared Stidham, too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Nick Bosa himself yeah. publicly said to you guys how he, he, they didn't terrible. expect it. They just didn't yeah. expect it at all. Yeah. 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 But let's go. Bro. He was like, he was like, dude, Tom Brady could have ran through those holes. I was like, yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. Oh, man. But, hey. Yeah. 49ers seems like they'll be the favorites in the NFC West. Odds also favor that. Let's go full NFC now. The Eagles got worse. They were the number one mm-hmm. team last year. The 49ers are number two. What do you think about the full yeah. NFC? I just feel like the Niners are pretenders and fool's gold. I'm sorry. It's not anyone's fault on the team. It's just the way they're constructed. I feel like in 2023, if you have major question marks at quarterback, you're not really a contender. Like I look at it kind of like, uh, remember the Utah Jazz a few years ago yeah. in the in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Like they, they could be the one seed. Like they could go for sixty five wins, but there was they, you knew they were there was something flawed about the way that team was built, and they just got torn down. So in, until Brock Purdy comes back and it makes a full recovery and stays healthy for the rest of the year, or Trey Lance makes a leap or whatever, I'm still looking at this team as like, man, you're a quarterback away. Right. And say what you want about Philly, like they took a step back, but they still have their quarterback and they have a great offensive line. Detroit, uh, you know, Goff isn't great, but he played seventeen games last year and they have a great offensive line. So the Niners, like, you don't have a great offensive line. You have a you've, you go through quarterbacks every eight games, I, it, but the rest of your offense, you're your roster is freaking loaded. So they're a tease. They're a freaking tease, and they've been a tease for like four years. I think that this is an interesting point because right now, to me, I, I have to take right. You have to take what the the last few years have told us about the Niners, but I also have yeah. to see the entire landscape of the NFC. And I, in my opinion, it's so weak. It has it's never weak. been weaker. This is the weakest. Like this is the weakest the NFC yeah. has been. And I, I think especially because all the great all the great quarterbacks are in the other conference. Exactly. And I don't think Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Come, I think he remains in Baltimore despite all the all the talk coming yeah. around right now. I think he remains in Baltimore, which means the best quarterbacks in the NFC are like Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott, I, I mean, like Dak's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Like Dak, he, maybe two it's top like, ten. No, it's Jalen Hurts. It's Jalen Hurts. 
Gino and Goff. Yeah. I mean, guys like those. Exactly. And I mean, you know, yeah. when you comparing them to what the AFC has, it, it's it's a lot different. It's a lot different. I mean, the AFC, let's go through it real quick. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you, um, if you go to the second Trevor tier, Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is there. You've got guys Trevor like Lamar Lawrence. there. That's five. I mean. Lamar, six. Who else? Uh, Jeez. Rodgers. Oh, Rodgers might go there in general. Rodgers might Rogers, go there. I mean, I yeah, know I know like what you're betting on seven. last year. But overall, I mean, I think wow. like eight of the top ten, maybe even nine of the top ten are all in that conference overall. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even mention Tua, who led the league in passer rating. Right. I don't think he's that good, though. Right. But yeah. And I mean, he's you're, over there. you also talk about it depends on how you feel, obviously, about some of the reclamation projects in a way. Deshaun Watson is there. Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'd expect yeah. Russell Wilson to have a much better year this year under Sean Payton. I would think so. I would think so. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, overall, things like that. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. The Niners, they're in, a, they're in a win now mode. The NFC's weak. It's just, it's too bad if they like, if it's all about the quarterback again and next year right. it's like who's it gonna be like oh again we're doing that again can't they ever figure it out but i think i was talking to vish on the phone the other day i i, I kind of get the feeling we were both making this point that the niners kind of like this now they like being the i team honestly think they do doesn't really need a quarterback i mean like, i think let, they let's like let's it. not even say the niners i think kyle likes it himself yeah because all of I this talk so. on the quarterback well guess what in the shadows you look at the odds Who's the number two team if, behind the Chiefs for the for the Super Bowl? It's the 49ers. Kyle's looking. Yeah. Damn. So I don't know. We who, don't even have a quarterback. <laughs> I don't know who. And we're none number of my guys two. Are healthy and what does that there? say about Kyle yeah. and, and the whole team? Like it, it says how respected they are. But like to me, if you don't know who your quarterback is, like I'm not betting on that team. I'm not going to. If I were a fan, you can't put money, serious money on the Niners with those. You're not getting good odds. Come on. The way that I look at it this year, I'll look at it a little differently because the way that I see it, I think they're hedging their bets on one of their one of their young quarterbacks. I think the way that they look at it, they don't care about what the week one floor is. In my opinion, I think Trey Lance starts just because of the timeline of Brock Purdy. I think they're not they're not betting on Trey Lance right now. They're betting on what is Trey Lance week eighteen, barring injury, of course. I think that they like what they could potentially get with Trey Lance in eighteen games of play. We saw Brock Purdy elevate his play from week one to week eight, and he, I mean he's still not close to a finished product. And so no. I think whoever they start. Week one to week 18, I think that that growth is what they're betting on. And to me, that's why I think the 49ers are going to be the favorites in the NFC. I just think because of how the conference is weak right now, I think they'll not only I don't, I think that they can get the one seed, which will be vital because you play at home for the entire playoffs until the Super Bowl. I think that that's in play. And if they can get that, I think it helps their rookie quarterback who should be able to develop, uh, or not rookie, but young quarterback who, who should be able to develop up until that point. What I think is interesting about the Niners quarterbacks, like Purdy and Jimmy, they they both burst onto the scene with hot starts, and they both had a lot of confidence early on in their careers. Um, Darnold doesn't have any confidence at all. I mean, that's could have been his problem. And Trey, he hasn't played enough to develop real confidence. So I'm curious to see how the Niners do with those two quarterbacks. I think part of the reason Purdy did well is he had this crazy like moxie that he had on, that he just stepped on the, the swagger. Field. Yeah, that was weird. And it's like, where did that come from? How do you get that so young? Um, I don't know. I mean, Darnold doesn't have that. They have to, they have to like create that in him. Mm -hmm. And maybe they can. And, and Trey doesn't have it either because he hasn't played. So it'd right. be nice See, if they could get like another guy like that on like the practice squad who's just irrationally confident. And the one thing I think experienced, the one thing I think that helped Brock, he started as a freshman at a, at a Big 12 school. And I think that that, right. that really helped him. I mean, he was told, and absolutely, you that guy. Four years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, they, I think the Niners got to look for that kind of mindset in someone. I think that helped for Brock. And another thing is just like not anointing someone. We talked about it at another position, but, you know, Alex Smith was anointed. Right. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was anointed. Right. Trey Lance was anointed. And this is it's not their fault. It's how the Niners, they're so desperate for a franchise quarterback. Right. They're like, you're the guy. It's like Purdy wasn't. You know, Montana wasn't. Steve Young wasn't anointed. These guys all had to wait and earn it and prove it. And I think that's probably the best way to structure it. So bring in another guy. Don't make him the franchise guy and just add him to the room. Put him in, on the practice squad. Those guys seem to work out in this team. No, definitely. Definitely. And so yeah. I, I do think that this season, I mean, it's all boiling up to be one of the best seasons that we've had. And I think that uh, it's, it's just fascinating how this team takes a different turn every year. It comes back to the same storyline. We're going to go through another training camp of uh, whatever really happens. And 
I think the 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 intrigue about the season as well is, I mean, we're talking about these quarterbacks. We don't know what their situation is. They they could very well have Trey Lance be the guy throughout training camp, and for some reason, just place Brock Purdy straight in week one with the way that they've Thank talked you. about Brock Purdy, right? Like nobody knows exactly how the situation is going to pan out because the timelines are uh, unclear about everything. And I mean, I think that, that that just adds to the intrigue of this team. I just feel like with, with Purdy, uh, he shouldn't do that because if he right. comes back quickly and struggles, no one's going to be like, oh, you know, we'll give him some time. People are going to be like, oh, well, he's broken. Hey, good yeah. story. But it's over. The Brock Purdy story, story. The Brock Purdy story is over. Like all his value could go away really quickly. So he needs to be careful and not come back too soon. I 100% agree. And I mean, when you talk about that as well, let's take the one case the 49ers know. Nick Mullins. A lot of people point to Nick Mullins and say, "Oh, he was there in training camp." But Nick Mullins took seven to eight months after the surgery for him to get back to 100% arm strength. Purdy, his his 100% arm strength is 80% of other NFL quarterbacks or 85% of other NFL Correct. quarterbacks. So 70% of that is even lower. And that's something you do have to worry about, not only for like the 49ers as the product they put on the field, but also Purdy himself for his long-term health. If you're dealing with lingering soreness, the one thing you don't want to do is continue to test the arm and test the arm and, uh, you know, potentially make that lingering soreness something even more. And I, I think that that's where I want to, I want him to protect what's best for his future interests. If he's ready, he's ready. But, you know, you do have to deal with something after an injury of such uniqueness. Yeah, and it seems like if you bring him back too soon, you run the risk of ruining him. Correct. If you just throw him out there uh, after no offseason, he could really struggle. And there's no reason to, to be that desperate exactly. when you have two other quarterbacks who, you know, have talent. Two guys who are top three picks in the draft, not just one. So have some confidence in your team and your other players. And don't just say, Brock, you know, our entire season depends on you playing in September. I mean, I agree. That's pretty desperate. I agree. Yeah. But the one last thing I'll say before we head on out, with the quarterback situation, the one thing I will praise Kyle Shanahan on, because I do believe that I, I, I'm, I'm critical, very critical of him and his quarterback situation. I think that that's the main flaw he's had in his uh, career with the 49ers. No but the one thing yeah. I will praise is he's stuck with his guy. He's had confidence in his starter when that starter's been there. Last year when it was Trey True. Lance, he shut down all rumors of Jimmy Garoppolo ever coming in unless it was due to injury. When Jimmy Garoppolo was the guy, he he stuck with him through some of the, the rough patches and then let him go on that. I mean, you saw the winning streaks the 49ers had when Garoppolo was there. Yeah. He instilled some of that confidence while also understanding the magnitude of his situation. He's openly said how Trey Lance could have started uh, had Jimmy, had he been healthy and had Jimmy Garoppolo uh, lost a game or two more in, I think it was week 10 of that, of that 2021 season. So, I like that portion of him. I think he's had the confidence in his quarterback while also fine, like assessing the situation fine midseason. I think that that's something that he's he's been, he's been solid at. I agree. Um, on the other hand, what's kind of rough is that the way this team works is it seems Correct. like they start slow on offense and they don't really figure out what they like their identity until the bye week. So whoever like wins the competition and starts week one loses. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's almost yeah. like you lost. And whoever gets to like be the hero week 10 is the winner. And I mean, a huge part of that is just injury in general. I mean, you look at the week one team last year, so much changed. I mean, Elijah Mitchell went out after six runs. Trey Lance went out after what, like five quarters. So much Not just even. randomly changed. I mean, and that's like, yeah. that's the huge volatility that the season uh, that this team just goes through during the season itself. And it does seem like what happens is they all their injuries happen early and they have to like survive the first two months Correct. or the first month and a half. And like they're playing with their B team, they're losing to teams that aren't going to make the playoffs. But, you know, all, they're three and five and they like they get healthy and all of a sudden they go on their own. Like they keep doing that and it's cool, but they're never going to be the one seed that way. They're never going to get a bye week that way. They're going to be on the road, the NFC championship that way. It's going to be tough to win a Super Bowl that way. No, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But hey, Grant, this was a, a wonderful show. Thank you so much for joining. Thanks for not cutting it off when I left for two minutes or more. No, Sorry, about we just that. had to, you know, we that saved so the show a little bit just to had added a little flavor. And then uh, we back to our business. Beautiful. But guys, All thank right, you guys so much for tuning in. Grant, as always, uh, you, you did a phenomenal job. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And um, we'll my definitely pleasure. we'll definitely run it back sometime very soon. Yeah, Hope next time show. on my channel, let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. I got, 100%. Yeah. But guys, thank you guys so much. Right, Chat was buzzing today. 
We'll see you guys next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.